love the way that um, both Revelations in this song doesn't only just look to the future, um, but it actually, uh, in looking to the future, it stands in the present and says this, so let it be today that we shout the hymn of heaven with the angels and the saints, we raise a mighty roar, glory to the God who gave us life beyond the grave, holy, holy is the Lord. This is something that we see um, right throughout Scripture, is this, this looking forwards and a present reality. Present reality not being um, the, the full completion of what is, is at hand, but, but still a significant um, present reality. I was thinking and reading through um, the Gospels recently, and I was particularly interested in all these times that Jesus had to, had to speak with, with both crowds and, um, and with his smaller group of disciples. I was thinking about it, putting myself in that, um, in that picture, I wonder what it would be like to have heard Jesus when he was pushed out into the, in, into the um, Sea of Galilee to, to speak to the people so he could be heard, or maybe on one of the mountains that he was speaking on, or in one of the houses where that guy was lowered down, um, maybe in a synagogue or in the temple, outside temple area. What would it have been like to hear Jesus speak? Wonder, wonder what he would have spoken about. And then I wonder, I wonder what type of person I would have been. Um, I wonder if I would have been one of those people that kind of heard and just kept going, like probably the majority. I wonder if I would have, um, if I would have understood what he was saying. Um, chances are probably, probably not. I think you, you hear Jesus coming to, you hear his disciples come to Jesus often afterwards and say, what in the world did you mean, Jesus? You see, his teaching was, was so, um, so different, so upside down, so different to our, our natural way of thinking about things, that often his, those who were closest with him, those who walked with him, would go to Jesus, what in the world did you mean? What he spoke about, generally, was the kingdom of God. And he spoke about what, what that means for us, um, to be a part of this kingdom, for the kingdom to be near, the kingdom to be here, for the king to have come. What, what does that mean? And that's what we're going to spend a little bit of time on this morning, is we're, we're just going to dig into this word, kingdom. Um, what, what was Jesus actually talking about when he was talking about um, the kingdom is near, the kingdom is here, we, we hear this word spoken about all the time, um, this, this word kingdom. And it's used in a, in a number of different ways. Sometimes it's used kind of on, on this side, and it's the sense of uh, Jesus was good, and, and Jesus was, was moral, and he had some incredible teaching, and uh, he was about peace and justice and love. So, so we extrapolate that out, and, and anything that happens in the world that is related to peace and justice and love, then um, that, that is kingdom work, uh, whether, whether you're, a, you're a Christian or not. That's, that's, that's one aspect of how it's talked about at the moment. Uh, another aspect is, is more on the aspect of 
um, God's saving work or His redemptive work in society, that when people come and they move from, from death to life, from, from the world to the kingdom of God, uh, when we're involved in that, that's kingdom work. And, and as I think about those, those two uh, maybe extremes, I, I'm not quite sure if that's the right way to put it, um, I, I do wonder whether both of them are just a little bit lean on their understanding of what Jesus was saying in regards to kingdom. Jesus, Jesus often used parables to speak about the kingdom of God. And, and one of the reasons, when you see Jesus using a parable, you realize that, hey, the, the depth of what is actually being spoken about is it, it's beyond simply our, our language to be able to express. So, He uses stories to help us understand what's actually going on here. And we see Jesus and He talks about kingdom again and again. I, uh, I've been reading a book by a guy called Scott McKnight. He's a theologian, um, Northern Baptist Seminary, somewhere in America. And uh, he's a New Testament specialist, and uh, he, he also has done a lot of research on the early church. And he speaks about this idea of kingdom. This idea of kingdom being, being something that doesn't just start with the ministry of Jesus, that it goes right back into the, into the books of the Old Testament, into the story of God, of God wanting to be king amongst uh, a people, and, uh, and he looks at what kingdom is, and what he speaks about is five different elements of kingdom. And he said these, these five elements of kingdom are absolutely essential to have in order um, to, to, to fully grasp and understand uh, kingdom. So, we're going to have a look at those, at those five here, first of all, and then we're going to come back to it at the end, and uh, we, we want to be a church that is about these five things that are essential to kingdom. So, when we look at kingdom, first of all, uh, this is what Scott McKnight says, he says, kingdoms, um, the kingdom has a king, and we know that this kingdom is Jesus. Thank you. Um, the kingdom has a king who rules by redemption and governing. He rules by redemption. What that means is he, he, he is saving people. He did that right at the beginning in the, in the Exodus when he saves his people out of Egypt. And this continues right throughout the story. He is, he is saving people uh, from themselves, from this world, and bringing them into his kingdom. He rules both in way of redemption and governing, um, and this king rules over a people. Uh, to have a kingdom, you need to have a, a, uh, a people. And in the Old Testament, we're looking at Israel. In the New Testament, we're looking at uh, the church. Uh, we, are, we are part of that church here. Uh, Jesus is king here. So, we've got king, we've got rule, we've got people. Then there's a law in the Old Testament, we had um, the Torah in the New Testament, we move into, we're looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and uh, the, the teaching of the, of the Apostles, the teachings of Jesus that we find in Scriptures. And this king rules by a law in a land. Um, this, this idea of a land, of a promised land, was important in the story that moves right throughout Scripture. Uh, it was the promised land to the, to the people of God, and uh, that, that story continues to move through, and we're going to look at that 
uh, shortly. But when we talk about kingdom, there, there really are just, just so many questions that comes to mind. Uh, this, this was a, a promise that the people, that the Jewish people were waiting for. That they knew that there was a, um, that, that God was, was in, in essence king of the, the Jewish people. Uh, they, they, they called upon a king for themselves and uh, the, the pinnacle of that was King David. But there was promises that came again and again that there would be a king and uh, this would be God's king. This would be, be God himself that would rule his people. And uh, this, was, this was promised, this was expected. Uh, when Jesus came into the picture, we had the Romans that were occupying the, um, the land that was, uh, that was promised to God's people. Uh, and uh, they were, they were uh, in, a, in a form of, of slavery, of bondage to the, to the Roman people with, with the taxes and everything that went along with that. So there was a cry in the people of God's heart there, um, come Messiah. Come, come promised one. But just like us in regards to kingdom, there's, there's a lot of questions. Uh, this, this overlap of the, of the two times, of, of this, this present age and the age to come, we're, we're in that overlap time where the, the kingdom has come, but it hasn't quite come in its fullness at the moment. Uh, it, it can be confusing, it can be a bit disorientating, and uh, what we find is that there's a number of people uh, that, uh, that actually find this, this difficult as well, and, and they ask Jesus some different questions. How does this work, Jesus? We had expected it to look like this, and, it, and it's shaping out to be like this. I just want to jump into a, a few of them. I want to have a look at John the Baptist, I want to have a look at Nicodemus, and then I want to look at Pilate. Uh, each of them, Jesus responds to them and tells them something about kingdom. So first of all, we have John the Baptist, and uh, he, he's the one that God actually sent to speak about, um, to prepare the way for the Messiah, to prepare the way for this coming kingdom. And, and he came, and he came preaching, the kingdom is near, uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And, and when he's talking about the kingdom of heaven being near, he's saying the Messiah is here. The one that has been promised is here. Once he baptizes Jesus and the uh, Spirit of the Lord falls upon him, and he says, this is the one that I've been speaking about. This is the one that we've been waiting for. After a little bit of time, uh, he actually gets uh, arrested and is put in jail. Now, I can imagine for John what would be going through his, his head. He's been, he's been prepared by God to announce the coming of, of this king, this weighted Messiah, and, and the king is here and he's, and he's doing uh, miracles and here's John is and he's in prison. It, 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 it's, a, it's a little bit strange, it's a little bit hard to comprehend. And what he does is he sends out his, his disciples to go to Jesus and, and ask them, hey, Jesus, what in the world is going on here? Are you the one that we're actually waiting for? I want to read John's response, Jesus' response. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. 
The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. What Jesus is doing here is he's actually, uh, this is like a signal to John. Uh, John knows exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's an expert in the Old Testament Scriptures. He's referring back to some of the prophecies, and he's saying, yes, I am the one to come. But interestingly, he leaves out that the captives will be set free. We've got this this intriguing um, interaction between John and Jesus here. He's saying parts of the kingdom are being expressed now, and, and there's other parts that are still to come. Namely, John, you're still in prison. I, this, um, this mystery of parts of the kingdom being expressed at different times throughout history and parts being, being hidden or yet to come, yet to come in its fullness, is, is the mystery in which we sit right now. And, uh, and, and it can be... Uh, a little bit difficult in the time that we are um, right now. Some have, have, have looked at this and, and kind of said, what, what is this? How, how do we describe this reality of, of, of the presence of the kingdom and, and God's work in our lives, but still the work of, of this world and the, the decaying and death and everything that comes with that? How, how, do, we, how do we balance that? How, what, what, how do we see that? And there's there's something um, that uh, theologians have, have used to kind of express this reality that we find in Scripture. It's not hidden, it's, it's very overt. And, and it's this kind of already, but not yet, expression of God's kingdom. Now, this isn't just in the words of Jesus to, um, to, uh, to John. This, this is found right throughout, especially in the teachings of Paul, this, this already but not yet reality in the kingdom. Uh, I, can we go to the next slide there? Um, so, according to scriptures, believers live in this already but not yet reality. We're already adopted in Christ, and I'll read a verse there. It says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry, Abba, Father. So, so this is a, a very present reality that we have received the spirit of adoption, we have received, um, we've been adopted into Christ, and yet, just a few verses later, in Romans 8.23, it says, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we eagerly await for the adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies. Here's this, this play, this, this already but not yet. We, we, we are already His sons, but we haven't experienced the fullness of that adoption yet. We, we, um, let's go to the next one. We're already redeemed. Actually, let's... I'm going to run out of time here. Already saved in Christ, but um, yet to be saved. So, already saved, that's here. For by grace we have been saved through faith, and it is this, not your own doing, it is the gift of God. So, by grace you have been saved. And then in verse 9 it says, Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, uh, much more 
we will be saved by, um, by him from the wrath of God. So it's, it's saying we have been saved and yet we will be saved. There's, there's a present reality that we have been saved, we've been justified, we've been raised with Christ and yet the fullness of that is still to be experienced and, uh, and, and actually uh, worked out. We are, we are saved, we're being saved and we will be saved. This is this, this mystery of, of how um, the kingdom is playing out and working couple of things to take from this. Uh, what, what can often happen in this already but not yet reality is we can, we can tend to fall into one uh, or the other. We, we can fall too heavily on the already aspect and, and this is the sense of, um, if, if I'm a child of God and, and, and He is all good and He is all powerful, why in the world am I still suffering with the stuff that happens in my life? Why, why, why does stuff still happen to me? Do, do you still love me, God? Are, are you still there? It's this, um, you see, to, to understand that the kingdom hasn't already come in, it, in its fullness is, um, is really important. I, I think this passage here, Jesus doesn't hide this, this um, this, we, we are still part of, of this world, we, we will still die and uh, we, we still feel the effects of, of this broken world. I love, Jesus turns to the crowds after He's just said this about John, knowing that He won't be released from prison, in fact, He would have His head removed and, um, and He says about John, He says, I tell you the truth, truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. So this is, this is Jesus saying, I love John. And, and, and in the eyes of God, uh, John is, is a, a great servant of mine. And yet in this, in this transition time, um, this already but not yet, we both receive uh, Christ and His work in our lives and yet we also experience the brokenness of life as well. And what it doesn't mean is that God has forgotten us, it doesn't mean that there is no ex expression of kingdom, um, it, it means that we are still in the hands of God. So sometimes we can fall on the, um, the, the kind of already, uh, this, this way works itself out as well in, in people saying that if you only have enough faith, it's, it's, um, you won't be sick, you won't have any troubles, um, I just don't know how you see that. Um, when, when, you, when, when you look through the pages of Scripture, uh, Christians get sick, they get persecuted, they have real troubles, sometimes more troubles than less. Um, that, that's one of the realities. What can't be shaken is this foundation in which we stand on, that we sung about, that there is a, a hope that's for us, that Jesus is returning and He, will, he, he promises to never forsake us or never leave us. That's a wonderful treasure. It's a treasure that is, um, it's like a pearl that someone finds and they sell everyone, everything to get it. It's a treasure that once you taste it, you would give anything to, main, to, to keep a hold of that. So that's one side. Uh, the other side is the not yet side and sometimes we fall on the not yet side and we don't expect God to move at all. 
Um, this just, just wasn't the reality for the early church. They expected God uh, to, to move amongst His people, to move amongst the societies in which they, 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 they moved as well. And, and they prayed the prayer that Jesus told them to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. And, and they prayed that in regards to people to ask that they would be, be saved, that they would see um, Jesus. They, they prayed that people would have, have life, that they would be healed, um, that the brokenness of this world would be pushed back and would be replaced by the light of God. What we can do is we can, we can fall into that element as well. And sometimes we do that because we're just not seeing as much of it at the moment. And uh, it, we kind of don't want God to be... Um, somehow we have this, this sense that if we, if we pray for something and something doesn't happen, then sometimes, somehow that makes God look bad. Um, I, think, I think we should probably uh, allow God to, um, to, to worry about that and that we should, we should ask God to move in our lives and the lives of our family and our friends and our community. Because when we ask, He responds and He intercedes. We often see more of the breaking in of the kingdom as, as, as the kingdom is being established in an area. Um, I, I told you just the other day that I'm heading back to Togo shortly and uh, in, in Togo, almost every single area I go to uh, we're seeing these breaking ins of the kingdom as the kingdom breaks in for the very first time, and uh, people are being healed and people are being um, seeing seeing God manifest His power in in, in very uh, real and obvious ways. And I think we should still uh, still seek that uh, for us as well. We often see that at times of revival as well, when God revives His church, when when God seems to put his finger on a people and say, I want to do something new, I want to revive my church, I, I, I want you to, to be obedient to me, and, and, he, and there's something of a, of a greater expression of the, the, the nowness um, of the already um, part of the kingdom. So, we, we continue to ask that God would, would revive his church, that it may revive our nation as well. So that's uh, John the Baptist, um, the already but not yet element. Okay. Got Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a religious leader at the time. He was rather intrigued by Jesus, um, intrigued but confused because he knows uh, as well as anybody of these prophecies, these promises that had been given to the, to the church. Uh, that had been given to the people of God about a Messiah that would come. And he's seeing Jesus and he's seeing the, and hearing about the miracles he's, he's doing and he's like, I, I've never seen anyone do stuff like this. And, and he's, he's picking up on these little nuances that Jesus is claiming to be this, this promised King, this promised Messiah. And he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. He's saying, I know there's something going on with you, Jesus. I know that you have a great authority, but, but you're not making sense to me. What, what I expected of this kingdom, it, it's, it's just not quite what I had expected. 
And Jesus, he goes right to the heart of this. He says, Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you that no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Nicodemus is going, I don't see it. The, the kingdom that I expected, the kingdom that we have seen through, through the God working through the people in the Old Testament, it looks different in what you're doing, Jesus. This, this, is, this is different. He says to Jesus, basically saying, explain to me more. This is, this is not a, a silly guy. He's, saying, he's, he's entering into Jesus' story. He's saying, explain to me more. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Access into this kingdom... Um, we're not just automatically uh, citizens of this kingdom. We come in through the, the work of the Holy Spirit for repentance. Uh, this, this water is talking about, about baptism. This is something that, that John the Baptist and Jesus, um, Jesus was baptised and, and the early church, when you, when you made a profession of faith, when you said, I want to follow Jesus, I want to give my life to Him, I want to turn away from doing my own thing and Jesus, I want to say that, that You are the one, I'm going to take my cue from You, I want to align myself with You and Your ways. They were baptised as a sign of that profession of faith in, in their life and heart. And Jesus is saying, that's the way you enter into the kingdom. The way you enter into the kingdom is through repentance. It's saying, I'm not going to do it my own way anymore, I'm going to do it your way. And the Spirit of God comes and makes us new. The kingdom has a king who rules a people. And the entrance into that kingdom is through repentance, saying, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Nicodemus was, in, was invited to be born again, to, uh, to enter into that kingdom. More I'd like to say there, but um, yeah, great, great commission, you know, our, our mission statement, making disciples who make disciples, that is key to the kingdom of God. You look at just before Jesus returns up to heaven and He says, all authority has been given to me, go and make disciples of all nations. It's, it's talking about um, God's uh, rule through, through saving people and He involves us in that. Uh, it, it, is, it is absolutely key to the Kingdom of God. Pilate, we'll finish here. So the Jewish leaders take Jesus, they realise what He's saying. They realise that he's claiming to be king and uh, they're not really uh, happy with the way that he is acting as king. He is, uh, he is not doing what they had expected and in fact, he's actually uh, challenging them greatly because his kingdom is, is very different to the kingdom that we think should be set up. Pilate says to Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And then we go down and Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. So this is, um, Jesus is, is letting Pilate onto a, a little secret here. His kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. 
Um, we, we have a, a Pilate has an idea of kingdom, Pilate has an idea of kingship, uh, the Jewish leaders has an idea of what a king is, how a king acts, and Jesus is, is redefining what it is to be a, both a king and a person of the kingdom. And, and, and how did He secure this kingdom? He didn't secure it from going in with an army, He secured it by giving His life self-sacrificial love. It's, a, um, it's an upside-down kingdom, a kingdom that Jesus promised would be like a seed, like a little mustard seed that would be planted and, and how it has turned out to be that. Jesus' death, He died and then He rose again and new life started to move. And it didn't just start, it, just, it didn't just stay there, it started to move right throughout this whole earth. And now there are millions and millions, a couple of billion people on this planet from every corner that confess Jesus as Lord. That mustard plant has entangled its way around this whole planet. My kingdom is not of this world. We march by the drama of a different beat. It's a Jesus kingdom. I want to finish by looking at those five points. The kingdom, probably the, the, um, the most apt expression of the kingdom is His church um, on earth. Not perfect by any means. Um, it is, it, it is it, the church, in fact, like the kingdom, is already, but not yet. Um, its fulfilment in, in being made a, a perfect, spotless bride of Christ is, is not yet, and yet we all, there is already a mark of, of the kingdom, uh, of, of what God has intended um, existing here right now. So, our church, we have a king. We want, we want Jesus to be front and centre here that when someone comes, that they hear Jesus on our voice, that they hear Jesus in our songs, that they hear Jesus in our preaching. We want Him to be absolutely front and centre. That's what the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is often doing, is Jesus, Jesus. The Father sent Jesus to be King, so we want Jesus to be front and centre here. He rules by way of redemption and governing. We have those who have been made new um, by the work of the Holy Spirit and by the work of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. And, and that is, we, we have so many blessings to bring to, to this community, to the world, but, but the, the one that no other organisation can bring is the words of life, the words that will, that will take someone from being dead to alive. We must remember that. In, as, we, as we look at everything we do, we, we must make sure that the words of life are there. Governing. He's our Lord. He's not just, just Saviour, He's our Lord. We, we want to obey Him. We want to say, yes, Lord, would you, would you govern this church? In, um, in, in our... I was just, just walked past our constitution documents and I saw right at the, right at the very top there, in, in the structure of this church, it's got Jesus Christ right at the top. And uh, that's on paper, but, but we really want that to be 
um, embedded into who we are. And, and one of the elements to be able to have Jesus uh, governing and Lord of this church is we need to be able to hear what He's saying. And uh, over, the, over the next few weeks, we're going to be really looking at that, to, to hear and listen to what Jesus is saying. Uh, Jesus, Jesus speaks to us through His Word, but He also speaks to us um, through His people and through different ways as well. And we, we want to be good at hearing Him because we want Him to truly govern this church at all different levels. So He's King here, He rules by redeeming, by saving His people, by governing us. He rules over a people. We, we are the people of God. We, we sit in this building this morning and, and we know that for all of eternity, we will, we will be with one another, serving one another, serving God and being with Him, seeing Him face to face. That, that's an extraordinary thought. And he's gathering, like we talked about the other week, um, people from, from every different nation, every different tongue, um, people that we w- normally wouldn't gather with, but we gather together to, to look to Jesus and there's something that unites us. And we also rub up against each other. And in that rubbing, God is doing a work on us. He's making us smooth stones. So he's our king, he rules, we're his people and we have His teachings. That's what we come together on a Sunday morning to hear the teachings of Jesus, that we would be aligned with that, that we would um, be obedient to that. And that's why we, we open up our, our Bibles during the week as well to say, Jesus, I, I want to be aligned by You, because we're, we're constantly being discipled, and uh, we're just being discipled in a direction by, by the world, and we want Jesus to disciple us. And the last one, in a land. Now, this is, this is interesting. And uh, I thought about this one for quite a while. What, what does it mean for Jesus to, to be king um, of a people, to reign, and, uh, and, and for there to be a land? What, what's, what's the land promise? What's, what's involved there? We see this in the Old Testament. Jesus definitely had a, um, God definitely had a land for the people of Israel. And, and his intention there wasn't just that it would start at that piece of the land, his intention that throughout the whole of creation that Jesus would be king. And, and we're starting to see that happen as, as Christians uh, move throughout and, uh, and, and being born again all around this planet. Things are starting to change. And as we... There's a couple of, of ways in which this takes place. For there to be a church and there to be a people of God in a place, it starts to change it. Not, not quickly, it's like a mustard seed. Very um, Often it's very, very slowly. Um, because when you've got a people that are aligned with Jesus and His ways, it starts to, it starts to change community and society. And there's been, been a number of examples of that throughout history as... Uh, countries have aligned with the ways and, um, of, of Jesus and His kingdom, then they've been changed for the good, for justice and for peace. But there's also a spiritual reality to this. I was thinking about this particularly... Um, uh, Togo forms a, a bit of a microcosm for me at times. I, I watched as the Gospel would go into an area and there would be something that would happen on the spiritual level that would start to break. 
And uh, as, as people started to give their lives to God, that was the, the, the ultimate in spiritual warfare, really. As, as someone moves from, from the kingdom of the world into the kingdom of God, something in the spiritual realm breaks and stuff begins to change. And I can't tell you the amount of chiefs that I had come to me and go, something has changed in this place because of, um, because of Christ who has come in here. Two, two warring tribes that start to come together because there's people in a church that starts to come together in unity. And, and I wonder about our region as well. What does it mean for this region to have a group of believers gathering in this region? I think it actually has significant implications for the spiritual atmosphere of this place. And I think that um, as, as the Christians start to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it as is in heaven. Something starts to change in our land as well. We want to be kingdom people. We want to be a kingdom church.